This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hi, welcome to our program, Dunedin Multicultural Council Live On Air with Peter Kesher. I've got a special guest in the studio with us. Her name is Ruth Groffman, and I'd like to introduce you to her now. Ruth, welcome to our program. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. So tell me a bit about yourself and your family. Where are you from? Well, I was born in Czechoslovakia. Um, my mother was Polish. My father was Czech. I'm a post-war production. <laughs> um, the unfortunate thing is my parents were Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. And my mother, or both of them, were in different camps. And my mother survived Auschwitz. Oh. Yeah. And when the Americans came in after the war, she, um, you know, they were released. And she jumped on different cattle cars to because Auschwitz is in Poland yeah. and her home, she, the town she was from was really Ostrava, which is in Czechoslovakia. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she went on different cattle cars and usually the journey takes, what, five hours or something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you've, after the war you had to be really careful because even though you were free, there were, there were still dangers there, yeah, yeah. you know, with rapes and robberies and everything like that. Um, I just want to ask you, cattle cars, was she like travelling with um, cattle? cattle? No, but they were (laughs) the cars on the train that would normally house the cattle. Oh, okay. That's how people were moved from one area to the other to get into the concentration camps. They were just stuck in there like sardines. Right. Yeah, with no food, nothing. Oh. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. And unfortunately, during the war, my parents lost two sons. So mm. two sons were gassed in the gas chambers. Oh, yeah, so it was a big loss for them. So she came along, and when she got to um, Ostrava, which is the town, um, someone recognized her and said, oh, great, you're alive. Your husband is alive too, uh, but he's very sick. So she went to him, and she nursed him back to health. Oh, so she didn't know what happened. She didn't know where no, her husband, no, your father. He was in a camp called Buchenwald, oh. which was in Germany, and she was in Auschwitz. They got separated. Far out. Yeah. Mm. So anyway, so I was a post-war production, and so my parents, the business they were in was textiles. Okay. Things like mm. embroideries and materials, things like that. Yeah. And... Um, so they decided to move to Australia mm. because they, they had a, a nephew who had already moved to Australia. He had was also a Holocaust survivor. But yeah. when he went to Australia, he was like um, about 20. Yeah. So he, mm. in his, all his teenage years were in the camp. Oh, you know, when yeah. I I always thought that he had escaped under a tunnel and gone to Switzerland for a boys' camp, but yeah. that wasn't the case at oh. all. And at the end of the war, there was a death march where the Germans were trying to get rid of the people that were there so that the, the Americans wouldn't be bad towards them. Yeah. Right. So a lot of people didn't survive that death march. Well. They just had to walk and walk and walk. But he survived it. So he actually um, moved to Sydney and he married an Australian in Mm. Sydney. And um, when he got 
into retirement, he started to give lectures or talks to people about his experiences. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So then my parents decided to move to Australia and um, they went by ship. And mm. so I was very little. Oh, and one other thing with the end of the war thing, a lot of people didn't who had survived the Holocaust didn't want children because they were scared how they would turn out after the atrocities that they had been to, been yeah. through. Yeah. And so my parents had me very late in life. They were in their late 40s. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and as it happened, I had to be operated on at birth because I had a hip bone missing or something and it had to be replaced. Oh. So for one year of my life, I was in calipers. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like you would a polio person. Yeah. Yeah. And so that must have been hard on my mum. Mm. Yeah. And then when I got to Australia, I had to always sleep in bed with my feet in the air. Oh. I used to hate it. <laughs> so um, anyway, so I um, grew up in Australia, um, married in Australia, mm -hmm. had all my three kids in Australia. And, and whereabouts in Australia? Did, did in you, Sydney. 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 Yeah, right. It was all okay. in Sydney. Yeah. And um, mind you, the boat the, my parents went on went via Perth and went oh, yeah. down the, and then up yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so basically, um, did a few things in my life. Mm -hmm. um, I always wanted to earn a living of my own. And yeah. at one point I was selling insurance, health insurance. Another point I was doing le supervising letterbox drops. Yeah. Another point I was a real estate agent. And and then my husband said to me, you, you better work for the public service. That's regular. Mm. <laughs> so I ended up with the public service for about several years mm -hmm. as well. And whereas my husband was an accountant... And he also worked for the public service, would you believe, for the tax office. Oh, okay. <laughs> and so he was very good at that. And um, so he knew he couldn't stay there because, you know, when you're working for the tax office, it doesn't have a great reputation, yeah. you know. And so he worked, he got a job with a, an accountant. And believe it or not, when I joined the public service... Our offices were opposite each other, just across oh, the road from each other. <laughs> Catch up for lunch. Yeah, that's right. And so after that, I had to persuade him to go into practice on his own. Took okay. a lot of took yeah. a lot of push. Yeah. He's the sort of guy, very conservative. My husband was, and mm. but if you push him hard enough, and he's established, he's very good at what he does. Mm -hmm. So. Um, Anyway, we decided at some point to move to Brisbane. So we lived in Brisbane for about... This was after the kids were born, all of them. Yeah. And um, we were in Brisbane for at least 17 years. And then we decided, well, the kids are all left home. Um, one didn't want to leave home, so we decided to sell up so he could leave home. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we went overseas and travelled for about a year. Uh, with the idea of where shall we live next. Right. And we actually chose 
Vancouver in Canada. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And we really wanted to live there. All excited, came back and got all the immigration papers to find that it was a bit hopeless <laughs> because we were all really too old for the point system. Yeah. And, like, we were over 50. Well, it was over 50. And... Mm. Um, Either that or they look after your money for five years. Oh. <laughs> whatever you got. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, I said to my husband, well, let's have a look at New Zealand because I'd been there a couple of times and he'd never been. Yeah. So we booked a bus trip, both islands, for two weeks. Mm. It was a great trip. We absolutely loved it. I mean, that's right to the bottom of Bluff, yeah. all the way up to the very top. Northland, yeah. yeah, right up Northland, right up there, Bay of Islands, yeah. everything. And so we used Brisbane as our base because that's the last place we lived in Australia. Yeah, and we um, decided we got back to Brisbane. We thought, oh, that was great. I think we should go back and have a better look. So this time we hired, we decided to go by camper van. Oh, yeah. So we flew yeah. over, and every time we came over to New Zealand, we always landed in Christchurch. So mm-hmm. then, of course, we went south. So most of our trip, we were for six weeks this time. I'd say five weeks of it was the South Island. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we came to Dunedin, and we really liked Dunedin. Yeah. So um, we went into a real estate agent. And we said, we're interested. And they just thought we were tourists. You know, they gave us a a bundle of addresses and said, go find it. And we didn't even have a map or anything. (laughs) We were really shocked because that's not the way we thought real estate agents worked. (laughs) So anyway, we found um, most of them by accident. (laughs) Mm. And, um, And we were told that from the description of what you like in a place, St. Clair is the place for you. So we chuffed off to St. Clair and we looked at a place and didn't like it very much. And then we realized there was this open home system here Mm -hmm. where you've got to buy a newspaper and pick where you want to go. And that's where all the agents were. So we had a a look at a lot of different homes. And finally, we decided let's pick the where let's go to where the agent is who gave us all the addresses and she was having an open home at about finishing off at four o'clock mm. in the afternoon yeah and that was in Sinclair so we went and had a look and we wanted to tell her that we didn't want the home that she'd recommended which was back to back with this street we were in yeah. and we said while you're here let's go and have a look at the house that you've been showing and that's the one we bought oh right so we bought it, it was on the hill yeah. at Sinclair Park mm-hmm. and um in the meantime, we had only actually travelled overseas for six months. So we had to go for the other six months. Oh, okay. <laughs> so off we went. And, um, you know, we had been, and we really enjoyed the trip, you know. Mm. Um, we did a lot of America. We did a lot of trips by train. And we mm. basically, in a sense, we travelled like backpackers. Well, that's a good way to see the country. Yeah. Or- and we didn't, world, yeah. we didn't like booking anywhere. That's a really good tip. We like to travel in winter mm. so you don't have overbooked yeah. hotels. Yeah. And we just had a system. I just left my husband at McDonald's. 
<laughs> with the luggage. Yeah. I skirted about three places, found the one I wanted, and then went and collected him. And that's how we found our accommodations. It's a great, um, yeah, it's a great way of doing things. Yeah, I quite that's like right. it. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah, easy. And... Exactly. And we did some really. We saw a, some wonderful concerts and um, saw a lot of lovely things. So then we came back to settle here, mm. and um, I remember we bought our car over as well because what we did is we used our car as a packing thing to put all our goods in. Oh, okay, yeah. And oh, yeah, yeah, right. That's yeah. right. We, <laughs> so it came over in a container. Yeah. And unfortunately, they discovered some ant or something in it, so they're oh. drilling hot. They're putting fumigation everywhere all the way. Yeah. And my poor husband... He's got, he had asthma. He had to travel in the car with his head out the window. Oh, no. <laughs> so anyway, um, so we settled here. Funny enough, at the time, I had discovered in Canada a product that I was wrapped in. It was um, uh, magnetic underlay blankets. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I thought, oh, this is fantastic. I'm going to bring this to New Zealand. So I brought all this stuff to New Zealand and then listened to the radio and found that they're advertising something like that all the time. Mm. But I realized after a while that it wasn't exactly the same product. What they were selling here was literally a sheet with some magnets placed through it mm. on top of it. Um, what I had was a specific mattress that was like two inches high mm -hmm. that sat on top of your existing blanket but the magnets were in it yeah and it's not the sitting on the black on the actual magnet that is the health benefit it's the wave of the of the magnets yeah. so basically you know those um um sort of foam mattresses that are like honeycomb yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what it is, it was one of those in it, and there were magnets dropped in the different grooves. Mm. And it's yeah. the wave of that magnet coming up the groove that is the benefit for the person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've actually lent it out to people who have had really back, very bad rheumatic problems. Mm. And they've been able to sleep for the first time in their lives, oh. you know. Mm. And um, I've, sort of, I've currently got one out on loan at the moment to someone else. But there's pillows and all sorts of things which I still use at home. Yeah. Okay, so I did that for about a couple of years. And that was in Sinclair Park. And then we decided to... So when you say did that, did, we, did you like grab a franchise or were you yeah, selling them? I had a distributorship. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And um, and that was a grand time. Um, the <laughs> In the house on the hill, um, we moved from there because we had some problems with the house. But I must say we had some wonderful parties there. <laughs> really... Um, really great. Anyway, um, we moved only a kilometre a half away and the reason for that is because, well, besides the house not being so great, is that it snowed one time. Mm. And you'd think it hardly ever snows in Dunedin. But this time it snowed so much 
that we were stuck inside for two days. <laughs> and so when we came out and they put the grit on the road and we rode down the hill, we decided mm. this is not for us to, mm. in case this happens again. So that's why we moved to the flat. Yeah. So mm. we moved to only a kilometre or a half away. And so in that house, um, it wasn't the best house, but great location. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we decided, well, we'll get it, but we'll renovate it. And this is what we did. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, so during that time, when I moved down from the hill, I found that the 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 business with the magnets just died. So mm. I had two goals in life. I'd always been in health, because I've had a health food store in Australia as well, yeah. and education was there were the two goals. Mm. So I decided to turn to education. It's really cold. I wonder if I approach him if he'll give me anything, anything to eat. Hey, you hungry? You thirsty? Come down to the Kensington by the Oval. Sorry, I mean, come down to the Oval by the Kensington. We have soup. We have cheese rolls. I know you all love the cheese rolls. We have sandwiches. We have coffee, tea, Milo with sugar to your preference. Best part of it all, it's all free. Three sugars, four, five. No, we don't do five. Coffee, okay. one sugar. Two sugars, sorry. The Caravan. Open every Sunday, 9am to 12pm. Rain, hail or shine. Look for us on Facebook. The Caravan. So I joined Literacy Aotearoa. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I became a tutor there. Mm. So I, you know, tutored individuals and I tutored groups at Forbury School before mm. that closed down. <laughs> so, um, and what were you tutoring them in? In English. English, in, okay. Or, in English, but also how to read and write. Oh, okay. These were all That's, the people yeah. who'd missed the boat at school. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 And the other thing I taught very well was learn a licence to get their first drive, to pass the test. Yeah. I was great in that, I must <laughs> say, because I um, I had a whole load of matchbox cars. And at the beginning of each lesson, at the beginning of each, yeah, I would put them out on the table and I told everyone, I want you to pick two or three of whatever you like because you're going to use these to demonstrate what we're going to learn so that you really get it. Mm. And it was very popular. I always got 100% pass rate with the students people would come to me they've tried it themselves three times and didn't get through yeah. and then I'd get them through I'm quite interested in that sounds like a, a great way a good concept on, of learning your license these matchbox cars did you have like a a, a road yes there was a map the ma there was a map on the table on the table yeah and they could use the cars on that on right. that map like you know for intersections and yeah. things like things that people don't really understand that well yeah but if you can demonstrate it it makes a difference to your understanding yeah that's a great way yeah. of teaching yeah exactly yeah so that's basically that's the other thing that i do or that i'd like to do here is teaching people how to learn properly mm. how to study properly yeah 
And I actually had two people last Sunday who came and started a Learning How to Learn course. And yeah. it was really interesting. They yeah. really learnt a lot. Yeah. You know, like learnt why they have to study and what the barriers to study are. Yeah. Yeah. And if you... Um, you have to recognize certain manifestations that happen in the body and why they're happening. Mm. And if you know them, then you can pick which barrier they're hitting and do the remedy for it. Yeah. And then that gets you back onto the study of right. whatever you're learning. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, anyone can do that. They can just contact me and I can do a course with them. And so how can they contact you, Ruth? What's well, the... basically, they can phone me. Yeah. I can give you my phone number. Do you have a website? N- yes, I do. Uh, Forge Your Head Education. Forge Your Head. Okay, then, so those who are listening, if you're interested in what Ruth's talking about, Forge a Head Education. So um, type that into Google and you'll find a website and you'll find Ruth on it. Otherwise, if you want any more information about this program, you can go to Otago Access Radio. 105.4 FM, they have a website which you can feedback and contact them and get hold of details off this program. Anyway, back to Ruth. Okay. So, um, anyway, that's a thing for the future. But, um, so when I came to Dunedin, um, I joined Interfaith. Yeah. Okay. And that's so, how I met you, through Interfaith. Really? Oh, at Bahai. No, was, the, was it the Bahai? Yes. That was last year. Yeah, that's right, last that's year. That's right. Yeah, Baha'i and, um, Council. Yeah, so basically the Dunedin Abrahamic Interfaith Group started at 9-11. Right, okay. And yep. the idea was that if there was an attack on... It was only for three religions. Christianity, Buddhism... Oh, sorry, take that back. Um <laughs> Christianity, Judaism, and Muslim. Yeah. It was only those three. Mm-hmm. And so if there was an attack on any one of those three, it would be as if it's an attack on all of them. Yeah. And I think, you know, our little group in Dunedin, I think it was the only one in the world where it had that concept. So it was really mm-hmm. good. And so we would meet, and there are interfaith groups all over New Zealand and all over the world. Mm. But, and so in New Zealand, they would have an interfaith conference. So, you know, one of us would go to the conference. And I went to one of those when it was in Hamilton. Yeah. And um, there was a lot of pressure on our group to have a conference in Dunedin. But mm. we didn't feel that we were big enough to do that. Mm. And that's when we decided to form another interfaith group, call it the Dunedin Interfaith Council, and this was open to all religions. And that's how we got into the Baha'i and oh, Hindu yeah, right. okay. yeah. and Muslim and Buddhism. No, Bo- Muslim was already, but Buddhism, um, all the other religions. Yeah. Okay. And so whenever there was something on, anything to do with peace all the religions got involved. Mm. Now, the main difference between the two groups is that the Dunedin Abrahamic group, every year they put on a peace lecture at the university. 
And each of those three religions take turns in producing the lecturer for the peace lecture. Yeah. And this year, it's the Christian turn. Mm. Funnily enough, yeah. I think there is, um, we've got some ideas. It's always held around the 9-11 date. Okay. So it's usually yeah. around September, October, mm. trying not to um, um, clash too much with Ramadan. Yeah. 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 And, um, and it's always held at the university, mm-hmm. usually in the St. David Lecture Theatre. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's beautifully set up there. The other thing that the Abrahamic group do, they do um, school visits. And they, mm. in school visits, it's usually with the senior year at high school. Yeah. And usually the one of the university chaplains comes along at as well and explains about the chaplaincy so that when they go to university, they've got somewhere to go to if they need it. Mm-hmm. And um, so we usually talk about five minutes on each religion. Not, we basically talk about what it means to that person who's talking. Yeah, it's not yeah. just like mm. a um, a religious talk that you would get education at school or somewhere else. It's just what it means to that person. Yeah, and you know, for some it means food. So some it means festivals, mm. you know, so different things like that. There's just so mm. much you can cram into about five or ten minutes. Yeah. And so that's what they do. On the other hand, the Interfaith Council... Oh, and the other thing that happens, we have meetings every month. And at those meetings, there's usually a theme. And the theme could be birth, death, um, different aspects that happen mm. in a particular religion. And then that particular topic gets addressed by all three. And so you get to see, you learn about each one and you get to Mm. see some of the similarities. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's what they do. But the Interfaith Council, they have meetings every month as well. They also have a theme. But in theirs, it's more like, um, let's say it's hope or compassion or something. And each person that wants to can bring a reading about that particular thing and um, the other thing that the interfaith council are doing they've got a, a committee that's um, instrumental in having a religious room at the new hospital oh yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. they're making inroads there yeah so we've got a committee of about three or four who go along to their meetings and really They've actually um, done some good work, actually, mm. in formulating what the religious sector is going to be at the hospital. And now we're having all these cuts at the hospital. The only mm. thing that I think they're thinking of cutting in what we had, we were going to have a garden. Mm. Yeah. But I think the area is going to be smaller than what we have at the existing hospital. Because at mm. the existing hospital, you can actually wheel a bed in. If you, yeah. if someone wanted to go for some religious thing in those sort of areas, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think you're going to have that at the new hospital. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's what the two groups do, yeah. basically. And anyone is welcome. There's no charge. So like you said, they have um, regular meetings monthly, monthly yes, regular monthly meetings. meetings. Oh yeah. Usually the 
council is on the, I think it's the first or second Sunday of the month. Yeah. And you, the Abrahamic group, their meeting is on, I think, the second or third Wednesday afternoon. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with um, this. We were with Ruth Groffman. This podcast was produced by Peter Keisha Music. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.